We're all so caught up in what's the next step? What do we need to do? And you're so overwhelmed. But when you get to see your loved one, please enjoy it. It's your time. Hi, I'm Bobby. I was a longtime family caregiver. I'm now a certified caregiving consultant, a certified caregiving educator, and I've written two books for caregivers. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two. Well, we all know that laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Have I ever forgotten the wine? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to keep you to it. You know, after being a caregiver for your father and deciding that I wanted to support caregivers going forward, one of the best things I did was deciding to become a certified caregiving consultant and a certified caregiving educator. And I am so happy that I did that. I didn't really understand how fulfilling being a caregiver was until I had reached this point. And now I've been in the caregiving world for 18 years. That's amazing. It's been that long already. <laughs> um, today's guest is a fellow certified caregiving consultant and educator who comes to us from Vancouver Island. She works with busy professionals whose life, health, and career are affected by the ongoing challenges of caring for their parents and or elderly relative. She's an expert in helping them with coping strategies, tools, and resources to help find relief from resentment, guilt, stress, and burnout. She has over 12 years of experience in the caregiver service industry and is skilled in helping you develop unique and effective solutions necessary to support yourself so you can best support your parents. So we are very pleased to welcome Saskia de Quastanit. Welcome, Saskia. When we talked last time, you know, you, you mentioned about working with caregivers to be as positive as possible in, in uh, their approach, not only to the people in care, but also in how they talk to themselves. Um, I would love for our listeners to hear uh, about that during our show. Um, so thank you for being with us. I'm happy to be here um, with you, Bobby and Mike, and everybody who is um, listening today. That's a great question. Um, let me dive into that because that's really a, a passion for me. I'm currently presenting a five-part webinar series, and it's called Walking with Dementia. Now, tell you right up front, I don't know anything about dementia. Not really, even though my dad, I went through a dementia journey um, that lasted about a year. But that was on a distance for me. That was 15 years ago. Um, I don't really don't know much about dementia. But through the dementia educator, Diana, who is the presenter in my webinar series, we started learning about deteriorating vision, about how the brain is actually starting to look like when people experience dementia or Alzheimer's. And it is no fun to see that for most people. It's no fun for me either, but I can see that in a very neutral way as it is, as the research is. However, caregivers are very hungry to learn more. And now they're learning more 
And I started to get emails because people started feeling very overwhelmed and very challenging with all that information. So for me, my passion is really caring for the caregiver and help you to go through these emotions. So then I teach them that there's two sides of the coin. The one side is the person living with dementia, living with the disease, the information about the disease. The other part is how do you live your life? How do you emotionally run through this caregiver journey? When you, with that information that we're providing, and we get raving reviews, I mean, people really love it because they also get tools. It is important to understand that the person you care for, and Bobby, you and I know that, that we call that our caree, your loved one, um, it's important that we stay clear and we don't get sucked into these life changing, this life changing disease. So for us, it's as caregivers, caregivers want to be heard. Caregivers want to be understood. They want to be able to voice. But what is happening is that, you know, as a caregiver, you sleep less, you don't want to cook all the time because you don't really feel like eating, um, you don't have peace of mind, your life is one big stress ball, um, complaints that, you know, I don't see my family that much, I don't really have the time for my grandchildren, I just don't know what to do anymore. So self-care is extremely important. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is self-preservation. And what that means is that you have to ask for support from people like you and me, right, who understand where you are coming from. Now, I, I, I'm going to interrupt you here because um, that, that's a sensitive point, and it, it's so important that caregivers do understand that they have to do self-care because this is – the diseases that we work with, the dementias that we work with are long-term fatal diseases and caregivers can be in this for many, many years at a time. And there's no way that you can sustain that unless there is some degree of self-care. And that's one of the reasons why I, I'm glad to have you on here. We have a lot of people that can talk about the disease and we talk about the years that go into it and a lot of the information that's out there about what this behavior is linked to what kind of disease, but we've not beforehand, before now had somebody that was really dedicated to supporting the caregiver himself or herself. And I'm so glad that you're here. And I've written articles about stop telling caregivers to take care of themselves unless you give them the tools to do that. And that's what you're doing. You're offering the tools to do that. And I think that's going to be very valuable information for our listeners today, because well-meaning people will say, make sure you take care of yourself, honey. And they walk off and they leave you to do it by yourself. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. Um, as, as caregivers, you may have to learn to say to people that give you so-called advice that you have to teach them. Thank you for saying that. Please don't say this to me and tell me what to do. Can you please next time ask me 
How can I help you? One of the most important questions, right? But here's the thing. Um, so I'm glad I'm your special <laughs> guest today. <laughs> like different, and that's exactly um, where my passion and my own personal growth has um, been over the past 20 years. Because just think of this. When you start realizing that you're asking all these questions about how about the progression of this disease, how about this, and you're so overwhelmed, these questions may come from a place of fear. They come, they not only may come, I know they often come from a place of fear, from a place of lack of information, from a place of guilt, from a place of anger, right? Caregivers are angry, and one of them expressed that to me. She said, I'm so angry. And why? Because you're losing the person that you loved for 49 years. And now what are you going to do? So all the emotions of fear, anger, guilt, worry, resentment, they rule your life and they suck the life out of you. So I have learned many tools. Um, and one of them is like, changing your feelings so when i do um not too long ago when i was still able to do life workshops i uh, do workshops at the elder college the vancouver island university elder college and somebody said to me well i, I don't know what to do i just i am so full of resentment and guilt i don't know what to do so i said to her and we were in a circle. I placed people in the circle at the second part uh, of the class. And I said, so how would you rather feel? Well, that was like two big eyes looking at me. Like, what do you mean? How do I want to rather feel? This is how I, I don't. I said, how would you like to feel? She could not express herself because all the heavy weighing emotions are just overruling and just making your life miserable. So it's very hard to wrap your head around it. That's why you need help. So I asked the class, I put my hands out and said to the class, can you help her? And somebody said, well, how about if you would like to feel loved? She said, no. I said, how about if you'd like to feel confident? She said, I can't be confident. And people started giving her words, and I started writing them down on the blackboard. And then the lady got quiet. And then she said, I want to rephrase that I cannot be confident. I actually can. Oh, my gosh. I haven't talked to myself like that for so many years. And we all said, you are important. And you can't do it alone. And then she started shifting. And actually, while I'm telling the story that happened a few months ago, I'm actually getting goosebumps because this is where it's about. If you feel in a rut, nothing, you know that, nothing comes out of your hands, right? And you're just spinning, spinning, spinning. So, Mike, what is it that you always tell people when they ask you, how are you? I'm wonderful, but it'll get better. <laughs> and when, when people say, so how's it going to get better than wonderful? I always say, well, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go home and see my wife, and that's better. <laughs> see, but he is one of the most positive men, you know. You know, he takes that joy wherever he goes. Yeah. And you can. You can if you choose, right? 
Right. I read a book years ago uh, by Dale Carnegie. No, not how to win friends and influence people. But there was another book called Stop Worrying and Start Living. And the premise of the book was you choose what's going to happen. If you choose to be in a bad mood, your whole day is going to be affected. If you choose to be a good mood, people react to you so differently and your whole day will be affected positively. And I went, huh, that's amazing. And I put it to the test and it was a world of difference how people reacted and how I felt at the end of the day. And so I just made the decision there. This is the path I'm going down because I don't like all that negative crap. Do get sucked in once in a while, but it's once in a while. It's the exception rather than the rule. And, and Saskia, that's what you're teaching, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, you decide when you decide to, you have only two choices. The one choice has a, is a bad choice with the weak result or you choose for a good choice with a good result. Which one do you choose? However, caregiving is a journey where you get sucked in and you, you just, you don't have a manual. It, you don't know what to do anymore. And nobody else around you really understands your journey because caregiving, well, it's your mom, what's your dad. But you know what? As a professional caregiver, I could always step outside of their energy and their aura and their circle and look at it from a different way. And and that's why uh, people like you and me, Bobby, are important to be a part of their journey because we can help them see things in a different way and help them transform their life because that is literally what happens, right? It is. And I have to tell you that one of the reasons that I share my story with people and one of the reasons that the book, The Imperfect Caregiver, came about is um, I had no idea what I was getting into. I thought, you know, bringing uh, Mike's dad to live with us would be difficult every now and then, but we we, we had this it, um, had no idea how serious it was, how long it was going to be. And uh, I described it many times as my doing everything I could to save him from himself and he doing everything he could to convince the doctors that I was crazy and, and he didn't need me. And when you're doing the very best you can to help somebody and they resist you at every turn and you feel like a failure... Um, yes, it absolutely wears you down. And, you know, I cried and I prayed and I had more than a few glasses of wine to get through it. Um, and I tell people now, uh, I made so many mistakes in the time that I did this, but I would do it again. And I'd probably make, I would make mistakes that I would make new mistakes. Um, when you know better, you do better. Um, And that's why Mike and I started going to caregiver conferences. And that's why I took, you know, the classes to be a consultant and an educator. And I'm continually always, you know, wanting to talk to people like you and the other guests on our show, because we learn so much going forward that we can share with others. And to be able to say to somebody, I was, I did it. I did it for seven years. I had migraines, I had panic attacks, my hair was falling out. Um, 
Mike and I probably have argued more during the last couple of years of his father's life than ever in the 32 years that we've been married. <laughs> um, and I wanted to make sure that I could do what I could to save as many people from some of that as I possibly could. And that's the work that you do. You know, when I moved to uh, Vancouver Island, um, it's now over a year and a half ago, um, I always had a dream of doing a caregiver conference. And I lived in Toronto, and there is so-called caregiver conferences. But to be honest to Pete, there are people on stage that have no clue really about frontline caregiving or caregiving as a daughter. They there are people that are high up in the, I don't want to put people down, um, but they are not the family caregiver. And they really, really don't understand the family caregiver because they come from a higher a medical profession situation or a, a perspective. And so I wanted a caregiver conference for years and years. And people did not understand me. Just they had no clue because they don't understand caregiving. And then I moved to the island. And before I moved here, three months before, I connected with some people that run a health expo. The woman asked me what I do. Then she said to me, I want you. I want you to talk. You come to the right place. Get out of Toronto right now. Come on over. And I did. This island is full of caregivers and full of retirees because um, people retire on this island. So the need here is extremely high. Um, there's also the oldest population of Canada on here. And then people said, hey, weren't you going to do a conference? And I said, well, yes, no, yes, no. You just move. You try a whole new life, right? You step into a whole new life. And I did it. I did it last year. So it was quite challenging to get caregivers interested because caregivers are in denial that they are are a caregiver. They don't understand that word and then they don't understand the role. So when you don't acknowledge that you are a caregiver because you think I'm the son or the daughter who just do does that, right. once you start acknowledging yourself as a caregiver, you start seeing that there is a whole world out there that is could be supportive of you. And I tell you, it, the vision of 100 people in the room did not happen. We, had, uh, we were with about 40 people and people walk out there hugging, 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 having friends, having a new community, having the next um, connections and appointments set up and coffees and sharing resources. And they told us this is life transforming because you took care of us. And this was not about the person we cared for. And every time I think about it or share that story or hear that again from one of the caregivers that come back to the next event or a dinner. Um, I know I'm on the right path and it takes courage for caregivers to step onto it. And, and basically what you're saying is there are, there are three things, right? There's the conferences or the symposiums that talk about the disease itself, right? With Correct. all the researchers and things of that sort and developments and so on. There's the care receiver or the caree, but now there's support for the caregiver is what you're doing. And so there's three different avenues that you can look for support. Yeah, totally. And that's awesome. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the professional caregivers and, and, and the 
you know, the professional speakers. And what I'm discovering more and more, and they're admitting it more and more, is the professional caregivers find it a very different world when they end up caring for a family member. <laughs> the relationship is completely different. That's when they start to get the aha. That's actually what happened with somebody who was had stepped out of the politics in Ottawa, in our Canadian government, looked after her husband, and it was such a traumatic, traumatic experience that she said, oh my gosh, caregivers need help. And you and I just roll our shoulders like, yeah, we've known this for the past 10 years, but you don't listen, right? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I think this is a great conversation. Can I share something that uh, came up this week? And I think that may be a great hint. Please do. Yeah. Okay, good. So when I was talking to one of the caregivers that reached out to me this week, um, currently the situation, as uh, you know, Bobby and Mike, as everybody knows who's listening, carries that live in a facility are locked up. The doors are closed. Cannot see family members. Um, maybe through a window, right? Um, the communication is really stagnant at the moment because many carries can also not handle the phone or use a Skype or a video platform. So the caregiver that I was talking to this week, she said to me, um, after we've expressed, she's had expressed all the concerns and had to conclude that she actually did not notice that her dad is at high risk at a supportive housing where he lives independently, she said, oh my gosh, we're so lucky. We can see my dad this week. We'll go and we can see him for 20 minutes and we'll sit outside. We have the distance and I can actually see him. So, you know, I have all these questions. I said, can I just stop you? What if you don't ask anything? Because here's the thing, you haven't seen him for three months. You have all your concerns already all laid out. You know what's happening. You know things need to change. What if you make these 20 minutes your best loving, peaceful minutes ever that you can have with your dad? So I do want to suggest that you open your eyes, you use your ears and observe, but just be with him. Be with him and enjoy your time with him. Tell a fun story. Don't go into, is this happening, Dad? Is that happening, Dad? How is this? How is that? Don't do it. Oh, my gosh. Just love this 20 minutes. They fly by like crazy. So I thought maybe I'll share that today because, you know, we're all so caught up in what's the next step? What do we need to do? And you're so overwhelmed. But when you get to see your loved one, please enjoy it. It's your time. Yeah, that's good advice, not only under those <laughs> conditions, but I know. just yeah. about any time. Yeah. Um, to be in the moment. To be in the moment. And if they, if they want to go down memory lane and talk about 20, 30, 40 years ago, because that's where they are, go on a field trip with them. Go there and get those memories. Get that moment. Yeah, that's excellent, Mike. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. One of the things I'd like to throw out there is you have a pretty robust online presence with your caregiver huddle. Oh, yes. Yes. It, as a support group, an online support group. How about talking about that for a little bit? Our listeners may 
um, want to actually partake in what's going on on the caregiver huddle? Sure, sure. Thank you for asking. So I do online caregiver support groups, just like you, Bobby. I do that in person. But then it's like it's not going to happen anymore at this moment. So I decided my caregivers want me to continue. They were comfortable going online. So I thought I like the word huddle. That's what we do. So I created a caregiver huddle. I make sure I can cover the time zones throughout North America. So it's my time out west at 5 o'clock, and then Easter is 8 o'clock, and then the times in between. So it's doable for every caregiver, and it's accessible to every caregiver who cares for an elderly relative. That's really where my specialism is. Uh, if it's for children, if you're a caregiver for children for special needs, then that's not, um, I, I don't touch on that. But um, yeah. And it's an hour. We do an hour. We do on Zoom video or without video, whatever your preference is. Um, we share resources, but I often use one of the tools as per highly requested <laughs> tool, the caregiver wheels. And my caregivers love that. And um, you can come once, you can come every time. And you get connected with people and the stories that people share and the tips that people share, they're just out of this world. They're really helpful. So people enjoy it. It's smaller groups. It's not like we have 100 caregivers on because um, that's way too overwhelming. So it's somewhere between six to maybe 20. Yeah, that's a good size. Um, for six years now, my uh, caregiver support group was in person. At, at a, um, it's called the Carver Center, and it's a combination of senior center and community center, but it also has attached to it an adult daycare center. So it was perfect. Now with COVID, I did not want anybody to have to go without a meeting. So again, we, we moved it onto Zoom. We keep the same schedule. Um, we just got a couple more people who who, you know, they couldn't go to the in-person meetings, but now they can do this. So yep. um, that's, that's a resource as well, something that you and I, you know, together didn't want to leave those people hanging on their own. And I've had people tell me, you know, this group saved my life. You know, hearing from other caregivers who are going through the same thing and getting advice from people that sit across from you and maybe the disease is different, but some of the behaviors are in, in supporting one another. And it's, it's so incredibly valuable. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, I'll bet you they're happy that you know how to do all this online. And, you know, we support the caregivers in how do you do this? How do you hook up online? And, um, yes, I got people throughout uh, North America and with the Walking with Dementia series. We have somebody from Florida, from Chicago, from the island from uh, Ontario. So it's really great because now we can have different people from different communities bringing in their information and their tools and tips. And that's the best thing because that's where really the knowledge and wisdom comes from, right? Right. What is the, what you consider the most valuable piece of advice that you can give to a caregiver, whether it's a new caregiver or somebody that's been in it for a while? reach out for support and look after yourself first. And I want to add 
be very careful with reaching out or becoming a part of groups on Facebook. Um, I once wrote a blog. I don't have my website any longer, but I wrote a blog about Facebook because there's groups in Facebook where they do not restrict what you voice or post because everybody should be able to literally throw out their horror stories on there. Never, ever, ever, please do yourself a favor, do not join a group like that. There, the, there's zero, zero support. And how would you feel if you would share something personal and then 300 people reply with a comment and you just go through all their emotions and stories without zero support literally for you. So I would suggest reach out to people in your community, reach out to people like Bobby, like myself, who run a pretty professional <laughs> support group <laughs> with a very high skill level and understanding, right? Because you and I are not going into people's emotions and we protect you from it. We help you to find your way. You don't need everybody else's way. That was pretty <clears throat> daring to say that out loud, but I think it's very <laughs> important. Sometimes I go on these groups and um, there's people that have posted things and said, what do you think of this? And I said, I think this should not be in the open. Would you ever like to be exposed yourself like this? Please think about this. I won't put them down. Uh, that's not the style to do it. But, um, you know, you care for you. Find those people in your circles um, that can help you. And if there's people that you may not like for a while, then it's okay to keep a distance. You have to preserve your life and health. You know, Saskia, um, circling back for, for just a moment, you were talking about if somebody says, you know, what can, they, what can they do? And Bobby talks about this a lot, that a lot of times caregivers say, oh, I'm fine. And what do you say about that answer, honey? You, know, you say, well, you're not fine. The answer is I'm tired. The answer is I'm lonely. The answer is I'm frustrated. The answer is... I'm hungry. I wish somebody would bring a meal by. We are so <laughs> programmed to be polite. Oh, how are and, you? I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you say, I see a finger going up if, there. They, if they ask, give them a job. Yes. If someone asks, you know, let me know if you need any help, immediately give them a job. Because there's always a way to take some of the pressure off. It may not be one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one care with the caree. But if it's just, you know, sitting and talking to that person so you can take a shower or getting your car inspected for you or getting a teenager to cut the grass. Run. Return books to the library. Exactly. Yeah. Give them a yeah. job. Yeah. Never feel that you are over asking. Um, teach people around you to ask you, like, how can I help? And, you know, reach out. Please reach out. You know, when we talk about t caring for ourselves as caregivers, that's one of the ways to do it, but that's not something that somebody thinks about when you talk about self-care. 
giving up those jobs that aren't directly related to caring for that person that needs care, but caring for you by getting some of that stuff off of your to-do list and off of your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking self-care as a 15 minute walk or a yoga class. Yeah. We take it much deeper and much further, way more impactful so that you can actually decide that you have time for that yoga class because you asked somebody else to help you. Well, I'll tell you, this is, it's been very enlightening talking to you. (laughs) Thank you. There's so many things swimming around in my brain now and um, so many ideas and so many new ways of, of thinking about things. And I'm sure our listeners are having some of those same thoughts. So my goodness, it's been such a joy to have you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Well, thank you, Mike. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a joy to, um, to share and to talk about so with, it, uh, with you, uh, Bobby and Mike, to how can you keep your sanity as a caregiver, <laughs> right? Yep. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. It was my pleasure. So I have to say one of the takeaways that I have for this particular session is open your eyes, open your ears, and, and be with the person. Yes, and be positive and try to push some of the negative thoughts and feelings that you have, put them aside and look at how it may be fulfilling as opposed to, oh my God, I can't do this. Oh my God, I can't do that. Look at the good that you're doing for the person that you're taking care of and, and, and pull in that positive as opposed to just the negative of, of what you can and can't do. Yeah, and the two of you touched on something that a lot of us haven't thought of and haven't had it pointed out to us is when you wake up in the morning, decide, I'm going to concentrate on the good. I'm going to concentrate on the successes this day. Yeah. And we're going to be in a good mood. <laughs> Yes. You start making decisions. Am I going to hit snooze? Am I not going to hit snooze? My left leg in my pants first or my right leg in my pants first? And it goes on from there. Am I going to be in a good mood or a bad mood? Um, You can find out more information about Seskia and links for social media on our website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes and post a review, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. You can find out more about HCA on our website or go to hearingcharities.org. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.